you'll turn there with me. We may be in the book of James for a few services. There's a whole lot here. James chapter 1, I'm going to skip around a little bit and read several verses in this chapter. First of all, verses 1 through 4. Then we'll skip down to verse 12, and then we'll skip on down to verse 21. Amen. James chapter 1, verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Skipping down to verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Skipping down to verse 21. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Be ye, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the, of the word, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Amen. Now, the book of James is really a book uh, that provides all of this instruction concerning uh, spiritual maturity growing up. I think that we all understand the importance of being saved, coming to the Lord, being born again, but that's only the beginning of the process. That's the beginning of what God starts in your life when you are born again. From that point, you continue to grow, or at least you should continue to grow in the knowledge of the Lord. And what better uh, person to instruct us than, uh, uh, than James? James was uh, the half-brother of our Lord. Um, he was a leader the church in Jerusalem. He was called, uh, one, of his, one of the names he was called was James the Just, which kind of gives some insight into the kind of person, the character uh, that he had. James the Just. Paul, in Galatians, called him uh, a pillar of the church. And uh, history says he was martyred. He was, he, was, he was killed by being thrown off the pinnacle of the temple. And died a martyr's death that way because he refused to recant his 
testimony and his confidence in a resurrected Lord. He refused and he died a martyr for doing that. Another one of his nicknames, according to history, was Old Camel Knees. Old Camel Knees. Because of his prayer life, his knees were calloused uh, from spending so much time on, uh, on his knees. And so I think that James is a good person uh, to instruct us in what it means to grow up and to mature in the things of the Lord. Now, you would be very concerned if your child, instead of growing and developing physically, uh, they were uh, hindered and, and uh, they did not grow to maturity. There's not a parent that wouldn't be extremely concerned if they didn't see this gradual growing and developing physically and even um, mentally in every way uh, in your child. It's a natural process in the physical and it's just as important, if not more so, that we grow up in the things of the Lord. And James gives us a lot of good instruction about uh, what this means. In verse 4 there, we read in the text where he said, uh, Let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire. Anywhere that in the book of Hebrews... Or in the book of James, other places in the New Testament that you see the word perfect. It's not talking about perfection. It's really a word that describes someone that is maturing or has matured in the things of the Lord. And so James is saying, let, this, let every believer mature and grow up in the things of the Lord. It's not the will of God. Sure, when you become a Christian, you're... You're, uh, you're like a babe in Christ. And um, that's wonderful. But uh, in the process of time, you begin to grow up and you, you learn more about how to live for God and how to please God and grow more in the grace and the knowledge of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a process. doesn't happen overnight. But the longer you serve the Lord, the more you learn about him, the more you learn about how to serve him. You learn what pleases the Lord and you become a mature Christian. Amen. Praise God for that. Amen. Mature Christians uh, that uh, are growing in the knowledge of the Lord. That's the plan of God for every Christian. Never that we stay as little children uh, and immature in the things of the Lord. As a matter of fact, there's warnings in the scripture about that, that we are not to stay like little children. Ephesians 4 and 14, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. An immature Christian is someone that's easily swayed, that they are affected by deceitful teachers. They have no sense to determine what's good or bad or what's right and wrong. A mature Christian is someone that's developed in the things of the Lord, in the knowledge of the Lord. And I don't mean that you're necessarily suspicious, but I guess I could say you have good godly suspiciousness, that you... Uh, 
uh, you're in tune. And if something doesn't seem right or doesn't feel right, you bring it under close examination with the Word of God uh, because you don't want to be caught uh, in, in the trap of some attack of the enemy. So Im immature Christians are tossed to and fro. They're easily swayed by bad teaching, by bad doctrine, by deceitful teachers. Uh, but a mature Christian is strong. He's unshakable. He can face all of the challenges that might come his way. And uh, folks, we're facing a lot of challenges right now in our world right now. Just about everything that we stand for and the Word of God stands for is being challenged. That's why that we need to grow up. We need to be strong. We need to be mature in the things of the Lord or we will be so easily swayed by uh, the thinking and the philosophies of this world. Hebrews chapter 5, strong, verse 14. Strong meat belongs to them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So strong meat um, uh, of the word of the Lord. An immature Christian is someone that's bored with Christian teaching, bored with good uh, biblical instruction. And, uh, you know, they, they're not interested in, in, the, in the deeper things of the word of God. Uh, they, they just, uh, they, they're, they're on a, on a certain level and you can't coax them to move up higher into the things of the Lord. Now, Zach, I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to, to uh, get approval to tell this. Uh, so it's going, to have, it's going to have to be after the fact. Uh, that uh, I'm sorry, and we'll straighten it out after, after the service. Most of you all know that, that Zach came to our family when he was two years old. And uh, uh, he, was, uh, he was in a Romanian orphanage, and Brother Huff actually saw him first. And came back to us, to Marsha and I, and said, I saw a baby in Romania, and he looks just like your family. He looks like he would fit perfectly into your family. And so we started, this was, this was uh, Thanksgiving weekend, we were here, uh, we were living in Oklahoma at the time, and so we started the process. Uh, and it took, interestingly enough, it was nine months later that we brought our baby home uh, from, from Romania. Uh, but uh, uh, when I first, uh, first got Zach in Romania, um, of course, he had been in the, in the orphanage with a lot of other uh, babies. And so um, uh, the way that they fed the babies there was they had a bowl of pureed food. I don't know what it was. I don't want to know what was in it. Uh, all I know is that they would go around the room, baby bed to baby bed, and they'd give this baby a bite, and then they'd go the next one and give this one a bite, and then they'd go the next one and give him a bite. And as soon as it went in their mouth, it was swallowed. They didn't, they didn't chew it. They didn't have to chew it. They were ready for it. And as soon as it was put in their mouth, they just swallowed it. So whenever I got him, I had him for about three weeks in Romania uh, by myself, except for the help of, of uh, the Ursus and the missionaries there and 
but I mean, I was, t- I was taking care of him uh, in Romania, and so I was trying to feed him food. As soon as we would put solid food in his mouth, he didn't know what to do with it. He spit it out because he had never had anything that wasn't uh, pureed, I mean, just in liquid form, uh, ready to be swallowed. So he had not learned how to chew food. So whenever we brought him home, we would sit around the table and all the family would make a big deal out of chewing food. We'd make a big deal out of it. Each one of us would say, Zach, watch us. Look at us. And we would all make this big deal. I mean, chewing. And, and he just looked at us like, you guys are crazy. <laughs> uh, but we, uh, uh, we kept trying to help him to see because he didn't, he didn't know what to do. Uh, with solid food, even the junior baby food, when you had put it in his mouth, he just would spit it out like, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. He would spit it out. But we went to some friend's house to eat. This guy's like six foot five. He's a monster guy. And he determined, I am going to teach Zach how to chew food. And he did that very day. I mean, he was making the biggest deal out of chewing food. And that guy got Zach to eat his first solid food. Praise God. And as you can tell, he's been eating it ever since. Good solid food uh, ever, ever since. Strong meat belongs to them that are of full age. Now, if you stay on baby food all the days of your life, you're just not going to be able to grow and develop like you need to. It's good when you're young, but as a Christian, we need to, we need to dig into the things of God, get into the word of God. We need to know what the Bible says. We need to understand how the word of God applies to our everyday life. We need to mature in the knowledge of the Lord. If anything... Here at this location, in this church, we, uh, my desire, my uh, heart would be that everyone becomes more and more knowledgeable in the word of the Lord. And you know that it's, it, it, you maybe have been saved for a year or maybe 50 years. It doesn't make any difference. As long as you are serving God, there's more to learn. There's greater things that God has for you. You can still grow in the knowledge of the Lord. You can continue to mature in the knowledge of the Lord. Now James, uh, he gives a bunch of examples of ways that you can mature and that you should be maturing in the ways of the Lord. And he goes right into it in verse number two where he says, Count it all joy when you enter into Divers' temptations are various kinds of temptations. My brethren counted all joy when. It's not if, it's when. It's going to happen. You're going to have trials. You're going to have, you're going to go through temptations. You're just going to face them. It's part of the Christian experience. Everyone, uh, no matter how good you are or how godly you are, uh, it makes no difference. You will face temptation. You will go through trying times. And it's the will of God that when we go through trials that we learn 
uh, through spiritual maturity, we learn how uh, to, uh, uh, to face these trials and stay strong when things are getting tough. Amen. Be strong when things are difficult. My brethren, count it all joy. Now, does that mean when you get into a trial, you just celebrate it and say, praise God, I'm in another trial? It doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean that you celebrate your trials. It just means that you understand as a mature Christian, when you get into a trial, that, there's going, that God is going to draw nearer to you. Amen. And many of you who have gone through trying situations, I'm talking about deep and dark trials, you have sensed the help of the Lord. You have sensed the Lord draw near to you in your darkest hour that the Lord has been with you in that terrible time of sickness or that terrible time of crisis that you've gone through. You, as a mature Christian, you learn quickly that when you go through a trial, you don't, you don't count it all joy because you're in a trial. You count it all joy because you know that Jesus is going to be with you. <coughs> He's going to walk through you, through that trial, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. You see, when you go through the trial, it's a reminder to us that, that his eyes are upon us and, and uh, I've gone through things. I've gone through seasons of struggles and troubles. I've gone through sicknesses. And, and I have to tell you that when I review, look back on those experiences, I see them as times of where I was able to draw nearer to God. Where I, I heard the voice of the Lord even clearer during those times. I, I, draw, I drew nearer to the Lord during those seasons of trial. And so uh, whenever you're in the midst of a trial, and I think James starts off his lessons in spiritual maturity here in, in the book of James by just saying it may start with a trial. It may start with trouble. But the eyes of the Lord are upon you. Isaiah 41 and 10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed. For I am thy God, I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Amen. How do we count it all joy when we get in the midst of a big trial? It's because we know that when we are in this trying time, that, that we are going to sense the presence of the Lord in a greater way. He's going to draw nearer to us in a greater way when we go through those trying times. He's going to uphold you. He's going to strengthen you. He is going to carry you through that trying time. Amen. So it's not if you go into trial, but it's when you go into trying times. And there's all kinds. He says divers types of temptations. The word just means all different kinds, various kinds, uh, different kinds of temptations that you might go through. And, uh, you know, a lot of times people, they have the misconception that when you become a Christian that you won't have to have any trials, but that's just not the truth at all. As a matter of fact, you'll might, you may find yourself even in more trials after you become a Christian. If you think about it, before you were saved, you were living by the dictates of your own flesh. And now you're, you're having to contend with that on a daily basis. You're in the middle of this struggle with your flesh. 
uh, day in and day out. Not only that, but uh, uh, when you were uh, unsaved, you were, you were kind of in the flow of the world. You were going with the flow of the world. But now that you're a Christian, you're, you're kind of going upstream. You're going against the current of society and the world and the culture. You're, you're pushing upstream against all of the things that are going on. So uh, the Christian life is not always going to be easy. There are going to be trying times. There are going to be trials. But the wonderful thing is a Christian, we can grow through it all. We can mature through it all. We can draw nearer to the Lord through it all. Amen. So why does he allow us to go into these trying times? Well, I've already mentioned he does sometimes. Those are because he matures us. He's developing us and maturing us during these times. Amen. I don't know who said this, but someone said character is forged on the anvil of adversity. Wow. Character is forged on the anvil of adversity. Now, it's not pleasant when you're going through it, but the grace of God is sufficient to bring, bring you through your trouble to bring you through your sickness, to bring you through that family problem or that financial problem or whatever struggle that you're dealing with uh, here uh, today in your time of temptation, whatever that it might be, His grace is sufficient to bring you through it. But not only bring you through it, but to develop some things in your life and in your character uh, that would have never been developed had you not went down that pathway. Amen. Praise God. Romans chapter 5, in verse 3, it says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience, experience. And experience, hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So through the process of trials and temptations and tribulations, God is not only going to bring you through it, but he's going to do some things in your life. He's going to teach you some things. He's going to develop you. It may be painful. It may be tough. But when you get on the other side of that trial, you're going to look back and review that experience and you're going to, you're going to see the hand of God and things that God has taught you and has helped you with and developed in your life through that trying time. Amen. Praise God for that. Amen. So trials, they mature us. Not only that, but sometimes trials correct us. They correct us. Um, sometimes we get into a trial and we know exactly why we're in that trial because we have not been walking in obedience to the ways of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Just like the prodigal son who found himself, he went out and he wasted all of his, his living, all of his inheritance. And, and when he lost all of his money and lost all of his friends, he finds himself in the pig pen, uh, just barely able to scrape out enough uh, to eat. And he recognized in that hour, if I just go home, if I would just go back to my father's, how he recognized he was in the pig pen because of his bad mistakes. 
and his bad decisions. He's wasting all that he had. Sometimes we are corrected in times of trial. Amen. Amen. He woke up in the pig pen. He was at rock bottom. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You'd recognize this is of my own making. I'm going through this fiery trial and I'm there because I have messed up. I have failed God. I have disobeyed the voice of the Lord. And so here I am in this trying situation. But I want you to know if you'll just wake up and recognize you can run back to the Father's house. He's waiting there with open arms. He's going to accept you in. He's going to put a ring on your finger and a robe around your body. He's going to give you a feast. Uh, he's going to celebrate your return if you'll just get back to God. Amen. There are times that our trials are self-inflicted. Our pain is self-inflicted. We're being corrected because we have gone the wrong way. Like Jonah who ran from the voice of the Lord and the call of God. When God said, go to Nineveh and cry out against their sin, he hated the Ninevites. He hated everything about them. He did not want to go. His prejudice said, I will not go and preach to them. He didn't want them to repent. He didn't want them to turn from their sin. But Jonah ran from God, but the storm caught up with him. And when he's in the belly of that fish, he knows I'm here because of my disobedience to God. And he prayed a prayer of repentance, crying out to God for mercy. And you know how that God delivered him from, that, from the belly of that fish and then sent him right out on the road to, to Nineveh to, to walk in obedience. Sometimes our trials are to mature us. Other times they are to correct us. And to help us to see that we are going in the direction, in a direction away from the voice of the Lord. And I just encourage you today, if you're in a trial right now and something deep down in your spirit, you're saying, oh man, I'm here because of my own choosing, my own failures, my own disobedience. I want you to know that there is an altar of repentance. There is a place where you can cry out to God. You can get back on the road of repentance. And God, even through your trying situation, can restore you and move mightily for you. Praise God. Not only is our trial sometimes to mature us and correct us, but sometimes it's to give us a sense of right direction. To go the way that God wants us to go. Sometimes the storms and the trials interrupt the course of our life and what we're doing and sets us on a different pathway. Remember there in Acts chapter 27, 28, Paul is a prisoner. He's on a ship and a storm comes up. That storm destroys the ship. They're all out there floating around on pieces of the ship and they wound up in a place called Melita on an island. And there they're received. And it's there at that place that God uses Paul to heal a lot of sick people there that are on that island. A lot of people that are in need. God redirected Paul's uh, life and, and put him in a place that wasn't a part of his plan 
or certainly not a part of the, uh, the Roman ship's plan. But God had a plan, and that was to redirect him and put him in a place where God could use him to, to minister to those people, to pray for them, and to see them healed. Amen. Sometimes trials are to change the direction of our life. Amen. So if you're in a trial, it might be worthwhile, it would be worthwhile for you to ask the Lord, Lord, am I following your plan? Am I following your will? What do you want me to do? I'm in this trying, stormy situation. What is your plan? Lord, I want to follow your plan and your will and do what you want me to do. Amen. And let God direct your path, even through the storms. Amen. Verse 12 that we read as a part of the text, it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Blessed is the man that endures temptation. Amen. God can give you grace, and through your temptation, he can grow you, he can mature you, he can redirect you, he can correct your life, he can do some wonderful, mighty things in your life, through, even through trying situations. Nobody wants to go through them. I sure don't. But if I do get in the middle of a trial, I want to pay attention to the voice of the Lord. Amen. Another way that he is uh, maturing and James has given us, us instruction about maturity is in the latter part of the chapter that we read to you where he says, lay aside all filthiness, superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Be a doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So that's another mark of maturity as a person that doesn't just hear the word or read the word, but he applies the word of God. Amen. And one of my pet peeves, if I'm listening to preachers, if they preach something out of the word of God and they don't make application. It just drives me crazy uh, when they do that. I just, I hear people preach and they'll preach a wonderful text and I'm like, okay, yeah, but what is it saying to me now? What does it say to us now? What's the application of that now? And that's what you saying. a person that's growing and maturing in the things of the Lord is a person that not only hears the word, but he puts it to practice in his life. He is a doer of the word of the Lord. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So we're to read it, yes. We're to hear it preached and taught. But even more important is we are to put it into practice. We're to make use of it and apply it to our daily life, practical life, amen. It's not just some religious idea, philosophy. No, this is the word of the Lord that's able to change your life. Apply it to your life. Be a doer of the word of the Lord. Amen. What we believe about the Bible is it is the word of God. It's God-inspired or God-breathed. We believe that it's inerrant. We believe it's infallible. We believe it is the God-given rule and guide for our life. Amen. The reason there's so much confusion in our world and our country right now is because people have set aside the Bible 
And they're trying to determine what's good and right on the basis of their own thinking. Like in the book of Judges, they did that which was right in their own eyes. When you make a judgment about any situation, about family, home, marriage, money, any subject, anything, if you do that on the basis of what you think is right, you are going to be in serious trouble. Amen. As Christians, our life is guided by the Word of God. What does the Bible say about that? That should be the question that you ask whenever there's any kind of a question uh, about anything in your life, in your family, in your home, in your work, whatever that you're involved in. What does God say about this? And let me tell you, God says plenty about every area of our life. And a good, a good evidence that a person is maturing and growing in the ways of the Lord and the knowledge of the Lord is that they measure all that they do by what the Bible says. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. Say what you will. Everything that I'm hearing and reading about our new speaker of the house, wow. If he is really all that he says, I am so encouraged. I am so encouraged. Amen. Amen. I mean, he has stood, he stood on the right of every issue. I'm talking when I say on the right, I'm talking about on the right as far as biblically sound. Amen. Marriage. Um, on the right side. He stood, he stood on the right side of every issue when it comes to, uh, to these important biblical issues. Uh, he took some news media into a prayer room in the halls of Congress. Did you even know there was a prayer room there? There is. There's a prayer room. It's got a picture of, of George Washington kneeling there. And there's actual altars. And this speaker of the house said to the press, this is where I'm going to start my mornings. I'm going to start my day in here asking God to give me wisdom to know what to do. Wow. Praise God. Praise God. If he's even half as good as what he's saying, we're, we're on the right direction. Amen. Anyone that gives honor to God and gives honor to the word of God, such as leaders like that, then we can say praise God for that. It's a good sign of spiritual maturity uh, whenever a person, a Christian, looks to the word of God about every question in their life. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we should be people of the Bible. Amen. We need to know what the Bible has to say about every issue. Many times I've had people come to me asking me questions. They have questions, want me to give them counsel. And uh, as best I can, I try to open up the Bible and say, okay, now I've got my opinions, but that's not the issue. It's not what I think. It's not my opinion. What does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about it? Let's get back to the word of God. You want to grow and mature in the things of the Lord? You will if you are a person of the word of God. Amen. God wants us to, to grow and mature in the things of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. And we thank you, Lord, that you are working in our lives to develop us and to mature us into something, Lord, that would be pleasing to you. And I pray, Lord, for every man and woman in this service today, if there are those that don't know you, if there are those that are not Christians, Lord, that they would understand that you love them with an everlasting love, 
and that you can provide forgiveness for them and salvation for them. Doesn't matter what their past has been. Doesn't matter the sin of their past. If they'll come in faith believing, Lord, you will receive them. Praise God for that. Thank you, Lord, for the mercies of the Lord. And whereby we're able to start off in this wonderful life of following Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord.